0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: It's a picture of a lot of people, or at the very least, it's a picture of what any number of us have experienced, are experiencing or may experience to some degree or another in the course of our lifetime. And what I want you to notice with me are a few things from this chapter to help give us courage in our discouragement. The first is this for you note takers, write down. God cares about us in our discouragement. God cares about us in our discouragement. This is
0: Cornerstone Connection, radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. A faithful believer and follower of Christ is guaranteed a hope for salvation, but not for an easy life on earth. There will be times of discouragement and depression, especially with the enemy always fighting for our souls. Today, Pastor Gary will encourage you to know that no matter what situation you find yourself in, God always promises that He is there with you through it. He cares about you in any discouragement. No matter what, you always have hope found in the arms of your Heavenly Father. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 45, as he begins his message, Courage for the discouraged.
1: All right, Jeremiah chapter 45 is where we are for today, and I'm going to read the entire chapter, but don't worry, if you're there, you'll notice it's only five verses. So here we go, Jeremiah 45, verse 1. This is what Jeremiah the prophet told Baruch, son of Neriah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. After Baruch had written on a scroll the words Jeremiah was then dictating. Okay, so now notice. So in verse 2, Jeremiah is going to speak to Baruch from the Lord. The Lord has a word for Baruch. So verse 2, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You said, woe to me, the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am worn out with groaning and find no rest. The Lord said, say this to him. So Jeremiah is still speaking. This is what the Lord says. I will overthrow what I have built and uproot what I have planted throughout the land. Should you then seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for I will bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. But wherever you go, Baruch, I will let you escape with your life. I've entitled today's teaching, Courage for the Discouraged. Courage for the Discouraged. Let's first pause and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you now as we open up your word to Jeremiah 45. We pray that it would speak to us in personal ways. And I thank you for each person here. And for those especially who have come here today, maybe a little downhearted, I ask that you would really minister your grace to them. And that You would encourage them through this time in Your Word. And that as we visit this story, that You would visit us in personal, powerful ways. And we love You, Lord, and we give You all glory, praise, and thanks, and honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And everybody said, Amen. Chapter 45 here concerns a direct word from the Lord to a discouraged person. By the name of Baruch. Now, who is Baruch and what is this chapter all about and how does it apply to our lives today? So, for those of you who are taking notes, first I'm going to give just a really quick background on Baruch, the person, the man Baruch. He is a personal secretary to Jeremiah. Jeremiah has been dictating the words that he gets from the Lord to Baruch and Baruch has been writing them down in a scroll. Baruch's name in Hebrew translates blessed. The name Baruch means blessed. In fact, every recited Jewish prayer and blessing, even today, the recited ones begin with the word Baruch, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, which translates, blessed be the Lord, our God, King of the universe. Today, every Jewish prayer and blessing begins with that word Baruch meaning blessed. Blessed be the Lord our God. And so he bears a very important name. It just means blessed. And he is the son of Nariah. It tells us here in the text, which means he is of the tribe of Judah. And he appears 25 times by name in the book of Jeremiah, starting in chapter 32. And the last reference we have about him is here in chapter 45. Now, just for clarification, chapter 45 actually chronologically fits After chapter 36, it is not in chronological order here in your Bibles. It tells us that the time of chapter 45 is the fourth year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah. And so that places it right after chapter 36, because chapter 36 also begins the same way. It was the fourth year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah which means that we're going backwards in time. Last couple of weeks, we were together. We talked about the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Then last week's study, we talked about the remnant of the Jews left in Judah after Jerusalem was destroyed. This chapter 45, we're going backwards. We're going back 21 years before the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. The year, the fourth year of the reign of King Jehoiakim is 607 B.C. That's the year of this story. And Jeremiah has been warning the people over and over again, about the impending judgment of God coming from the Babylonians. And so in chapter 36, I'm just going to reference it, I'm going to read a little bit from it, you don't need to turn there if you don't want to, but in chapter 36, Jeremiah is dictating all this impending disaster that's going to come upon the people of Judah's own fellow Jews because of their rebellion and their disobedience against God, and he's dictating all this. So Baruch is writing all this down. You have to imagine this. You have to picture this. So here's the scene. I'm going to read it from chapter 36, verses 1 through 4. It says, "...in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll, write on it all the words I've spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now." Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, each of them will turn from his wicked way. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. So Jeremiah called Baruch, son of Neriah. And while Jeremiah dictated all the words the Lord had spoken to him, Baruch wrote them on the scroll. So now you've got to keep this in mind. Baruch, his job is he's listening what Jeremiah is saying. Listen to the chain of events. The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is speaking to Baruch. And Baruch is writing on a scroll with a quill, no doubt. And he's just recording all these things. And Jeremiah is telling him all the disaster that's about to come on their own country. And their fellow countrymen. Okay, and so Baruch is hearing this and he's writing all this down. And I just wonder, was there any pushback a little bit from Baruch as he's hearing all this? So Jeremiah's like, okay, Baruch, write this down. The Lord says he's going to destroy Jerusalem. All right, the Lord's going to... St- what? Yeah. The Lord's going to destroy Jerusalem. Wow. All right. The Lord's going to destroy Jerusalem. Yeah. He's going to burn it to the ground. Seriously. Do I have to write this? I mean, I just wonder if there was that little dialogue at all. And Jeremiah's telling him, write all this stuff because as he's writing it, he's writing about all this devastation. Now I want you to put yourself for the moment in Baruch's shoes, because here he is hearing this devastation that's coming, the destruction that's coming. Jeremiah's dictating all this. When you're hearing all that's about to happen to your country and your countrymen, it's bound to affect you deeply. And so no doubt, part of chapter 45 is showing us, after he's written all these things as has been dictated to him, that Baruch just becomes heavy-hearted. He becomes discouraged. And he knows that God is going to be faithful to do what he says, and if God ends up doing what he says because the people don't turn... There's going to be devastation upon the whole land. And even if you're righteous in that day, like no doubt Baruch and Jeremiah were, Baruch still knows that he's going to be affected by this devastation. One way or another, he's living in the midst of it. He's going to be affected by this devastation. I want you to try to imagine what life would be like if you're on the receiving end of prophecies, Let's just try to insert ourselves in this story and try to imagine. I know it's hard because we live in such relative comfort and peace and security. But I want you to try to imagine someone's dictating to you the word of the Lord. And you're hearing your community is going to be destroyed. Your church is going to be destroyed. Your own family is going to be separated from you. This is all coming to your country and your community and to your family. How would you feel? How would you feel hearing that some foreign army is about to invade you and your life is never going to be the same? I mean, all the normal everyday stuff that you commonly do is going to be totally changed now because of what's about to happen. I mean, you'd be heavy hearted too. just try to imagine. Like the thought of how you normally spend your Sunday. So you're here today, you've come to church, and then what do you normally do? Maybe go out to get a bite to eat with some friends, or maybe you go home and you have a family dinner, and maybe you look forward, especially on a rainy time change Sunday to go home, maybe take that afternoon Sunday nap. But on this day, you go home, and there's another army that's already ransacked your home, confiscated your stuff, taken over your town, and you're homeless and you're without a job, and your family's been separated from you, I mean, your life will never be the same. He's hearing all this, and he's imagining all this, what's about to happen, and it's weighing on him. So it's no wonder that when we get to chapter 45 here, what's happening with Baruch is that when he finishes writing all these things, he's discouraged. He's downright despondent. And he's quoted here in verse three. If you still have your Bibles open, notice the Lord says to Jeremiah that he's overheard what Baruch has said. Now, we don't know if Baruch has been praying to God and saying these things or whether Baruch has just been venting, maybe to Jeremiah. Nevertheless, God has heard and Baruch gets quoted in verse three. This is what he says. Woe to me. He says, the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am worn out with groaning and find no rest. That's how he describes himself, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And I want you to imagine for a moment, you know, these words that he uses to describe himself. You ever felt like that? You ever been in a place in your life where discouragement was so thick that it was just palpable and painful? You ever been in a place in your life where you were so overwhelmed with sorrow or grief that you were worn out? That's the word he uses here, worn out but as exhausted as you were from the sorrow and grief, you still couldn't sleep. You ever cried so much that you had no more tears? You were all, literally all cried out. Life can be pretty painful at times. David experienced his share of pain. He would write in Psalm 6, verse 6, I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. He would also say in Psalm 31 verses 9 and 10, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. David would also say in Psalm 69 verse 3, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. There have been plenty of people, Even, yes, Christian people who have found themselves in the throes of discouragement. When Horatio Spafford lost his four daughters in a collision of sea vessels at sea and they drowned, all four of his daughters, Horatio Spafford wrote that all familiar, one of the classic hymns of our faith, It Is Well With My Soul. It happened in 1873 when his daughters died, and he wrote that hymn in that same year, 1873. And in that hymn, he describes the grief that he experienced as sorrow like sea billows roll. He describes the anguish of his heart, the sorrow of his soul that would come in like billowing waves. Just sorrow that comes. And some of you have experienced some really devastating things in your life. You know exactly what he's talking about. That you might have a good day or two, but then there's this wave of sorrow. Wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. Separated by maybe some calm every once in a while, but then a wave of sorrow. Now in that song, however, as we know, he also talks about how he was visited by the peace of God that came in like a river. And so he describes the waves of sorrow being met by the rivers of peace. But nevertheless, he did not deny his sorrow. He didn't pretend like it didn't exist. He was deeply in anguish. Who wouldn't be? What a lot of people may not know about that song, you might be familiar with that story in many ways, what a lot of people don't know is that shortly after that terrible tragedy, Horatio Spafford and his wife had another child. It was a little boy. And they thought, here is the joy to replace... Our sorrow. But when that little boy was four years old, he got scarlet fever and died. What you also may not know from that song is that Horatio Spafford wrote the words in 1873, but the musical score was not added until 1876, three years later. The musical composition was written by a man named Philip Bliss, and Philip Bliss in 1876 wrote the musical composition for that song. It got published then as the song that we know now today as well with my soul. And in that same year, 1876, that Philip Bliss wrote the musical composition, he and his wife were on a train in Ohio and it derailed. And Philip Bliss survived and went back into the wreckage of the train to rescue his wife. And when he did, the train became engulfed in flames, and the two of them died, and their bodies were never recovered when sorrow like sea billows roll, Discouragement comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. Heartache is no respecter of persons. A lot of people get discouraged in this world. Some, even of our great church fathers of the early faith, suffered from depression. Martin Luther in the 16th century he endured many instances of discouragement. He suffered most of his life and would write about it often, describing it with words like this quote, melancholy, heaviness, depression, dejection of spirit, downcast, sad, downhearted. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 19th century, said that his discouragement started when he was 24 years of age in 1858. Charles Spurgeon later recalled, quote, my spirits were sunken so low. That I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. He would go on to say that he battled against what he called, quote, causeless depression his whole life. He said, quote, this shapeless, undefinable, yet all beclouding hopelessness cannot be reasoned with. He said, fighting this type of depression is as difficult as fighting with mist. So when we read here in chapter 45 of Jeremiah that Baruch describes his situation with the words sorrow, pain, being worn out, groaning, and without rest. It's a picture of a lot of people, or at the very least, it's a picture of what any number of us have experienced, are experiencing, or may experience to some degree or another in the course of our lifetime. And what I want you to notice with me are a few things from this chapter to help give us courage in our discouragement the first is this for you note takers write down god cares about us in our discouragement god cares about us in our discouragement this whole chapter jeremiah 45 is about a personal word from the lord through jeremiah for one guy baruch it's a personal word that the lord is visiting Baruch with so that he might know he's not alone and that God hears and God knows and God cares God has seen and heard what Baruch is going through and This is incredible for us to recognize because at this time God is speaking To the whole nation of Judah through the prophet Jeremiah Because of their rebellion and their sin and their disobedience against God and so God is using Jeremiah to speak to an entire nation and in this moment God puts on pause a message for the nation so that he might deliver a message for one person. One person. That's how much God cares. God cares about every single thing that you and I face. And even though he's the God of the universe, he is never distracted by the masses to be unconcerned for the one, for you. God cares. He cuts through the national message here in this chapter for a personal message for one guy. Jeremiah, God says to him, I got a word today. Jeremiah's probably thinking, oh, a whole word for the nation. Okay, what is it you want me to say? No, 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 no. This is a word for Baruch. I want you to tell this guy a personal word. That's how much God is intimately familiar with every single thing in our lives. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it is still possible. God can still operate this way, whereby by his spirit, he puts a word on somebody's heart to share with another person. And when God does that, it's a wonderful thing. I have been the recipient of that kind of thing from time to time. And the Lord has put different things on my heart for certain people at different times. It doesn't happen frequently. And by the way, you have to always carefully measure those kind of things. You know, sometimes people will approach me like, I have a word for you. And I'm like, ah, okay, not sure. You know, and so you got to weigh those things. You know, we shouldn't be non-discerning or gullible about just anything. We should weigh things. But God can still work that way by his spirit. And often, though it doesn't happen regularly, but often if the Lord puts something on my heart for somebody else, I'll just basically say, hey, listen, you know, I just kind of feel this burden in my heart to say this. Now I'm just going to kind of leave this with you. If this is from the Lord or not, you can figure that out or decide or, you know, but I just want to be faithful to at least say this much. And it's a wonderful thing. And I can tell you, too, I've been at the receiving end of that. In fact, just this past Friday, just this past Friday, just having kind of a down day, it happens to us. And in the middle of the day, my cell phone rings. And on the cell phone, it said, no caller ID, which you know, like, don't answer that. And so, but I had to answer it because we had a dishwasher delivered yesterday. And on Friday, they're supposed to call to tell me when they're delivering it on Saturday. And so, like, I had to answer it. So I answered the phone. It was my friend. Okay, how many of you have remembered Daniel from when he's been here before? For those of you who don't know, Daniel is Egyptian, born and raised in Egypt, raised a Muslim, very devout Muslim. Then he had a personal encounter with Jesus, got radically saved when he was still in Egypt, left Islam, became a Christian, and then because of that, he was arrested in Egypt, put in solitary confinement for eight months, and then he was released, and then eventually came to the United States, and now he has a wonderful ministry reaching Muslims. Just a dear brother who loves the Lord. And so he says to me, he says, Gary, you are my brother from another mother. All right, so that's the kind of friendship we have. And so I answered and I said, Daniel, why is your phone showing up? No caller ID. He goes, well, you must only have my mobile number. I'm calling from home. So I needed to call you today. And I said, all right, well, so what's going on? He says, I was praying for you. I'm trying to do my best Egyptian Daniel impersonation. He goes, I was praying for you this morning and God spoke to me, gave me word for you. Word of encouragement. And so and he told me specifically what the Lord had told him to say. And it was just a wonderful word of encouragement to me. And then we had a chuckle because he said, I have to be honest with you. I argued with God about this. I said, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, because you know, he said, I have ministry to Muslims. Muslims, in fact, he even contacted the congresswoman who was talking anti-Semitic stuff this week. And so that's a whole other story. He goes, so you know me. He goes, I confront. I talk about truth. I want Muslims to know truth and be free. And he says, so all these Muslims are trying to kill me. So I say to God, why can't that word be for me? (laughs) He says, No, God said, Daniel, this word for Gary. You call him. All enough, enough.
0: You jump in and you'll find the cornerstones, your connection, run towards your new life. The book of Jeremiah that Pastor Gary has been walking through with you is one of prophecy. It's God's words to a nation that was facing the consequences of their actions. It's a picture of the future, but also a raw and honest look at the present situation. Jeremiah doesn't hide his emotions. And as you continue studying, you'll see his passion for his fellow Israelites and his deep desire that they turn back to God. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying this fascinating book with us here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at our website cornerstoneconnection.cc we have a mobile app as well allowing you to take all of Pastor Gary's messages with you on the go find a link to download on our website or search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store what a great way to fill your day with truth from God's word wherever you are do you live in the Leesburg area if so we want to meet you You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services are at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. on Sundays, and child care is available. So bring your family. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today in our study of the book of Jeremiah. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to join us again for Cornerstone Connection.